The giving tree, um, there are only, we'll get all the lights on here, there are only eight tags left. So um, I don't know if these are ours or included on there, uh, but there's eight tags, so make sure you get one. Um, maybe just take one for now, maybe leave room for others, uh, but just pay attention. The small tags are generally just one item. The bigger envelopes are like a whole family. Um, so just take what the Lord puts on your heart and, uh, and do that. So kids, um, you're dismissed, and if you're under kindergarten, you need to be checked in by an adult. So please do that. Is there surge today? Nope, no surge today. So fifth grade and under, fifth grade and under, you're dismissed. All right. How are you doing, upper roomies? How are you online? Everybody good live streaming? We know there's some people quarantining and being careful and not coming out, so understandable. But those of you who are here, welcome. We're so glad you made it in person and that we can do this. Like, it is a blessing, especially right now in this climate. It's a blessing to meet in person, to sing out loud, uh, to be free to do so. So very grateful for how um, the Lord has been uh, helping us navigate through this, and we're thankful to be here. How many love the decor on the stage and the trees and everything? It looks awesome. So thanks to everybody who came out Sunday night. Um, and also Leah and Lydia, I know, finished up the stage. Leah put some final touches on it with the flowers and different things. So thanks to everyone. I do want to, to specially highlight a couple people. Matt, my brother, usually takes a couple guys, and they get the big tree out front, and they go, uh, they get that at a farm, they bring it in, and so get it set up, and make sure it's not going to fall on any of us. And usually Dan Hart and Zach walk up has helped the last couple years. And I don't even know if Matt knows this yet, but Zach is highly allergic to pine. So he starts taking allergy pills days leading up to this event just so that he can serve the Lord and serve in this capacity to get the tree. So next time you see Zach, tell him thank you because he pays a price to help us get that tree in here. We didn't know it. He did it very secretly, and, uh, but his wife told my wife, and I'm like, are you kidding me? So anyway, he's just got a great heart. So, um, but I also want to recognize Nick and Tiana. They did something really special last week uh, that I believe deserves to be highlighted. We used to be a drop site for Operation Christmas Child, and um, we used to have like goals of hundreds of boxes as a church. For whatever reason, didn't work out this year as a church. Hopefully, we'll get that back next year or in the future. But they personally, their family personally, and with Nick's dad, did a hundred shoe boxes themselves. So can we just give it up for them? If you don't know much about that ministry or what it does, those shoe boxes go all over the planet and they may be the only gift a child gets in their lifetime. They go all over the world, uh, but you can look it up on Samaritan's Purse and you can even financially support that ministry and what they do. Uh, very, very good. Um, it was a ministry, it's a ministry of Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son. So anyways, amazing. Thanks, Nick and Tina, for your heart. They, they used to run it here. They took, it, um, they, took it, uh, they took over from Nicole and I running that ministry and ran with it for many years and still have a heart. Hundred shoeboxes. That, that's amazing. They collect stuff all year to make that happen. So, all right. I want to get into a message here um, that essentially I started last week. And um, I, I had kind of continually, I said it would be a continuation of last week based on 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Uh, to give thanks in all things. You know, it's what the Lord wants from us, right? So, so in everything, give thanks. And I'll, I'll get into the the more details of the scripture and read that. But I want to tell you just something that's kind of happened since then and what's been going on. So I, I figured it'd be fitting for me to start with another story uh, about hunting. 
So last week I started the story about how I held on to three words and I was in the deer stand and one of the words I held on during this pandemic is, is thankfulness, gratitude and thankfulness. So I was in a deer stand and I started this last week saying I just began to thank the Lord for the small things. So my, it's been this childhood dream of mine to be a guide, a hunting guide or an outfitter. And I just remembered that that was a dream a, a few months ago. Well now I'm fulfilling this dream of being a hunting guide to my daughters. So my daughters love to hunt. My daughter, Olivia, you can wave. She's already gotten a buck this year, got a nice buck last year, and uh, she's, she's definitely really good. And my daughter, Evelyn, who's at class right now, um, she has uh, missed one and two and three shots, and she's missed four. I, I take her out target price. She's really good, but she just keeps getting a little high, and the deer keep ducking it. So it is my mission this year to get my daughter Evelyn a buck. So we're sitting, we hunted really hard last weekend. It was youth gun season. So I'm like, this is the weekend. You know, she's having a little hard time with the bow. I think the gun, she can do it. So we hunted Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, a couple hours before church, and Sunday night. So we're in the deer stand and it's getting dark and she's getting kind of depleted and just, just a little down. And I was like, hey, it's never too late. Any, in one moment, it could change everything. And uh, she, we named a few of the bucks that are on our property, and she named one that she really wants. It's her number one. It's Austin. And I was like, any minute, and we only had about 10 minutes of daylight left. I said, any minute, Austin could just pop out of that woods and change everything. And it got us talking, and, and sometimes we get a little philosophical in the deer stand. And just so you know, we can carry on conversations. It's like I said last week. Uh, it's a treehouse by summer, deer stand by fall, okay? So it's this thing that we sometimes even put an iPad in there, watch a show, we're talking, we have a heater going, we're eating snacks, all right? It's a little bit of cheating, but, you know, it's because of the girls, okay? It's because of the girls. <laughs> so at any rate, we get into these really deep conversations, and it's really fun. And, and I said, you know, isn't that interesting? Isn't that an interesting thought, girls? That one moment, one moment in time, it could change everything. And, and we begin to talk about how precious time is and how precious life is and not to take it for granted. We're in this deep conversation and I began to navigate through the week and remember this conversation. You'll see how this connects in a moment. But I remember, began to remember times where just one moment changed everything. One moment where I get a letter in the mail that gives me uh, congratulations, you made the list at Troy Fire Department. One moment says, hey, you, you got the lieutenant spot. Good job. Or, or one moment, you know, you may have got that promotion. Or one moment, you hear that that grandchild was born. Or one moment, these things change your life forever, right? On the same context, one moment, you get a, a phone call that somebody passed away. Or that one moment, and, and, and everything changes. I remember getting a phone call. We're working at the church here, and I know my brother and a few others were here. We were laying the stone of the church out front, and, and we got a call that my mom's cancer had come back, and there's nothing they could do, and it was in almost every organ of her body. That one moment changed history and changed us forever. Over that time where we took Olivia to an ultrasound at 20-some weeks, and we're excited for our second daughter, and or we didn't know it was a girl at the time. We're, we're excited, and, and all of a sudden, we're going in, we're excited, and all of a sudden, at one moment, time stood still, and time changed. And they bring in a doctor, and in that moment, you discover that they said your daughter may not, your child may not have a spinal cord or nervous system. Two weeks, we pray, we declare scripture, we declare healing, we speak life, and we prophesy over her in Nicole's belly. And two weeks later, one moment then changed everything that she was healthy, and it's as if they saw nothing the first time. And that one moment, things can change. Another time, I remember just this year, you know, 2020, right? I 
we get woke up from my daughter, Hadassah, who can't feel her legs and she's paralyzed from the waist down. And I carry, I carry her limp body into the ER and they can't find pulses, they can't find anything in her legs. And I remember literally having the thought, is this the moment in time our life changes and we have a child who's paralyzed? And in that moment, I, I didn't even feel like praying. I, didn't, I couldn't even gather myself to pray. I'm, I'm in the moment with all these doctors and specialists in the room for 10 to 15 minutes. But all I knew I could do is text somebody who would pray for me. And then all of a sudden, that one moment changes. We found a pulse. That one moment, a test comes back. Actually, she's got influenza B, and it's this rare disorder this year in children. And that's very rare. It's enzyme buildup. We think she's going to be okay. And that moment then turned into joy and hope. It's crazy how one moment can change everything. And this week, you know, this year we've had a lot of one moments. This year we've had a lot of things. My sister started up a business and her husband in a trade show industry that would eventually get shut down completely this year. How one moment she's doing a grand opening with all these grand plans and then the next moment her industry's totally closed. In one moment, you have this job, and now in one moment, you're laid off. In one moment, you can, you can go out freely. Now in one moment, you have to go to a store and wear a mask. These one moments have hit all of us in these different ways this year and the last several months, and these one moments have been more challenging for others and even traumatic. And this week, we had two pretty devastating one moments. One moment, Bruce has a brother in Georgia who's healthy. And the next moment, he goes in the hospital. And the next moment, he's doing better. And then yesterday, he passed away. And they lost Bruce's brother, Robert. In one moment, Shelby and, and Tyler had a healthy pregnancy and were expecting a baby. And in the next moment, they've lost their baby boy last week. One moment can change so many things. So I was going through yesterday, like, Lord, do you still want me to preach on thankfulness with all of this going on? He's like, yeah, but now you're going to preach on how to be thankful in this circumstance how to be thankful in the storm, how to be grateful during trials and tribulations and bad stuff. So why don't you turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5. Let me give you a little background while you're, while you're getting there. Paul wrote this. Um, first, he, he had some concerns about this young church. And... Uh, and Couldn't see the tissues. He had, he had concerns about this young church. And uh, so at one point, he even sends Timothy. And uh, Timothy brings back this great report. So Paul writes this letter. It's, it's one of the first letters written to any of the churches. It's, it's possibly one of the first uh, books of the Bible written in the New Testament, or at least fully published, around 50 AD. James was started, but not maybe fully published, uh, but 1 Thessalonians was. And uh, so we have this, this, this storyline here, and, and it's crazy because so so different from many of the other letters that Paul was writing to the churches. Some of the letters to like, to like Rome was confronting things, or, or Galatians, or, or these other books, or Corinthians was, was really pastoral counseling, and, and counseling the, the church of Corinth. And we had public rebukes, we had, we had Paul confronting moral issues, we had Paul confronting theological concerns, right? Well, actually, this book of the Bible and this letter written to this church was really a foundation of thankfulness and gratitude. And he's actually excited. And, and when they received Timothy, they were excited that, about, to hear about Paul and, and this thing. So here's where we come into to 1 Thessalonians 5. And in this first part of the letter, uh, this is titled, Paul's Final Advice in this letter. 
Then you go into 2 Thessalonians. But 1 Thessalonians, this is his final advice. And I was going to focus on just verse 18, but felt it was so fitting because we kind of tied in last week thankfulness and community. And still tying in the family culture or the, the, the culture of family or, or the community here called the bride. You know, we don't want members, we want family at Upper Room. Members come and go, but families stick together. And so I felt it was fitting to read this whole section. So verse 12 says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. That's really why I wanted to throw that part in, okay? Just, just to keep that in there. I'm just kidding. Verse 13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Isn't, isn't that a great nudge of advice from Paul? Live peacefully with one another. How many know that that is sometimes a challenge? That means there's some work on your part. Like Josh said in one of his messages a few months ago, you gotta hold your end of the rope, right? There, it takes work on your part to live peacefully one towards another and with each other because we got some mess. How many believe that human beings have some mess? And when you're in relationship with human beings, it's gonna be messy, and it requires some work and some sacrifice and some compromise and sharing feelings and confronting offenses, right? So I love that part. Verse 14, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. I personally just like that. I really don't know why. I just like that Paul's saying, hey, you know, hold those accountable who are lazy and who aren't holding their part of the rope, who aren't doing their part of this thing. And then it goes on to say, encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak and be patient with everyone. We had a sign up here for a number of months. It's talking about in this house, we laugh often, we, we, we love, we do these things. And at the bottom it says, and we're patient most of the time, right? And this is just good advice how to be a family. You know, take care of each other. You know, be, be mindful of one another. Encourage one another. If somebody's weaker, lift them up, right? Encourage the timid and, and bless one another. And then the last part is be patient, though, with everyone. Then it says, see that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. 16, always be joyful. 17, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing, right? Never stop praying. That's a hard place to live in, isn't it? It's not like this petition prayer. It's this prayer that's always my mind and my affection and my attention is focused or at least adored to Christ, right? So then it goes on to say, verse 18, here will be our focus today. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't minimize Holy Spirit. Allow Holy Spirit to work how Holy Spirit wants to, right? We believe in the full gifts and manifestations of Holy Spirit at Upper Room, and we are excited to see his fulfillment of that. Don't stifle it. You may not understand it, but don't talk against it, and don't, don't be scared of it. He's Holy Spirit. He's amazing. He's good. Then it goes on to say, verse 20, do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is, good, that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. I like the part that says, man, be open to the prophecies. You know, make sure they're good, but then eat the meat, spit out the bone. That's what he's saying. Like, if, if you don't like what was something said, like, test it. Make sure it's good, because there are false prophets among us. But it's okay if you don't like something. It's okay if you love the church, but maybe don't like the art on the stage. That's cool. We can still be family. Right? Or, or if the music's a little louder than what you're used to, or you get offended that there's a Christmas tree in the church, it's cool. We still love you. Still love us. Like, we can do this. Eat the meat, spit out the bone, right? Everybody willing to do that? So then I want to get to just really two main points today, and then just a whole lot of talking outside of that. The first point is, so, so focusing on the scripture, verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances, or give thanks for all things. 
And I, and I begin to go through that with the girls in the deer stand, like, man, life is so precious and short, and time is so precious. We've got to be grateful for every single moment. In one moment, everything could change, and, and not taking for granted any one thing. And I think today and, and, and this week, for especially the tragedies that we experience in our church family, these tragedies put things in perspective of what really matters. Because really, the eternal things are the only thing that matters, Houses and jobs and occupations and businesses will come and go, right? Even relationships will come and go. But God is the only true thing that will never leave, never forsake us, never abandon us, and he'll be there for eternity with us. So the first thing is you don't have to thank God for your loss, though. Like, I, I, let, me, let me clarify what I mean by this. See, it says give thanks for all things. Give thanks. And, and even James 1, 2 says this. says count all joy the trials you go through. Like, now I want to take a moment to say, yeah, you thank God for the things in the process. You thank God for the things that, that are associated with that. Like, I thank God that, yes, our mother died, but we were all by her side. We were all in this together. It birthed something incredible with our family and unity in our family. You know, there's these things that at least, at least this person was by my side. At least we had these moments with this person. At least we have the assurance that, that, that Bruce's brother is in heaven and God has upgraded in his eternity and he was a believer. Right? We thank God in that, but we don't have to thank God for the death. We don't have to thank God for, for that trauma that happened to me, for that abuse that happened to me, because more than likely it wasn't God's fault. More than likely God didn't cause it. It says every good thing comes from above. And let me focus on John 10, 10 here for just a moment. It says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Jesus came to give eternal life and life here on earth. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be exempt from, from issues and trials and tribulation and circumstances and death and sorrow. The Bible says we're going to have to go through that. But he also promises, though, that we'll have grace that's more than sufficient for us to navigate through that. And those trials that we're counting joy, if you read on to the next several scriptures, it says it builds perseverance, it builds patience, it builds faith. There's something in our character that's built. So we don't have to thank God for the nastiness because oftentimes he didn't cause it or it was sin that caused that to happen to you. I preached a message last year or two and it was, why does bad things happen to good people? And I've just made it very blunt. Bad things happen to all people. But believers, we typically have a grace and we get to focus on God's good no matter our circumstance or issue. And then when we can focus on that, all of a sudden I can give thanks in all things because I know he alone is enough and he alone is worthy and he alone is good no matter the junk that I'm going through that really, really sometimes sucks. Number two, let me read this one scripture that I referenced last week though before I move past this point. Philippians 3.10 says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection. We love to celebrate. We love the resurrection story. We love life, right? We love victory. We love that we're more than conquerors. And we oftentimes skip over this part. It says, and participation in his sufferings, becoming more like him in his death. We are going to have to suffer things on earth. We're human beings. It doesn't mean God caused it. It doesn't mean he did it. It doesn't even mean he allowed it to happen. I can't explain everything. I don't know why, why that happened. I don't know why, why that happened to Tyler and Shelby this week. I, I don't know. I can't explain that. But there's one thing I can explain with certainty and with absolute proof is that God's good. Yeah. 
I, I don't know why things happen. I don't know why bad things happen. I don't know why that person chose to hurt somebody or rape somebody or do something really horrific to somebody. I don't know why they chose that over righteousness in the Lord. I, I don't know, but I know this, God's good. That's the foundation, and that then births this thing in me that I can remain thankful even in that mess. And at times, it takes a while. So point two is uh, that you, have, you also are allowed to have emotion and grieve. First thing was, you don't have to thank God for the stuff, okay, for the bad stuff. You don't have to thank him for that, but you find the things to thank him for. The second thing is that you have the right to have emotion, you have the right to grieve, you have the right to be sad, you have the right to be frustrated, you have the right to be angry, you have the right to be confused. It's just the thing is, we don't want you to stay there, but you have the right to have that. Let, let, me, let me clarify. See, oftentimes, anger is not the sin, it's what we did from being angry that caused the sin. Jesus himself demonstrated, and let me just say, there's enough word in the Bible to back this up that you're allowed to have emotion. I, met, I went for many years feeling no emotion because I was a bagger at Kroger. I was senior bagger at Kroger as a teenager. I even had the opportunity to train my wife before she was my girlfriend how to clean toilets. It was my go-to. I was like, yep, I got it. I got this. She was a cute girl. It was really doing minuscule work that could get me out of just bagging groceries and get, doing carts out in the cold or rain. I got the bathrooms. I'll train her how to do it. I was a terrible employee. I'm not going to deny that. I was terrible. I didn't know Jesus yet. I stole a ton of stuff. I, I cheated time. I was lazy. And, and they should have held me accountable like Paul says, right? So at any rate, I was a terrible employee. But here's the thing. There's this girl, this cashier. She nicknamed me Smiley. And I was like, smiley? Because I'm, I'm naturally optimistic. I, like, the glass isn't just half full for me. That's room for more opportunity. Like, oh, we're going to overflow this thing, and I can't wait to see it happen. So I'm, I'm naturally this way. So, so in this process, uh, what happened when she called me smiley, I was like, uh-uh, I'm a tough guy. I, I was getting strong. I was getting good at football. I was bench pressing 315 pounds as a sophomore in high school. Like, you ain't calling me smiley. So I set out to try to never smile again. And that led to this hard heart that never felt emotion. And for years, I didn't cry. I didn't feel sadness. I didn't feel joy. And I didn't care about anybody. Why? Because that one word, one thing that planted in my head that's like, nope, I want to be a tough guy. I don't want to be a smiley guy. Right? So, so what happened is then I, I met the Father. And he melted my heart. And I had this encounter with Holy Spirit. And I had this encounter with weeping and feeling emotion for the first time in several years. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I received this power, right? And I was like, wow, this all opened up to me. And this was an incredible encounter with the Lord, changed my life, and that one moment changed history. And, and what I want to say is, so some of the, the shortest verse in the Bible is proof that Jesus is giving us a right to have emotion. And when you lose somebody, you can grieve over that. And let me just say, you have permission to not have your stuff together all the time. You have permission to not be okay all the time. You have permission to not be perfect. Like, it's okay to not be okay at times. So when Jesus finds out his best friend died, Lazarus, it says, Jesus wept. And let me just tell you, the shortest verse in the Bible may be the most impactful in our emotional and spiritual well-being. Jesus himself wept. Jesus was moved into emotion that caused him to cry because he was grieved over the death of Lazarus. But how many know we get the same faith and we get the same spirit living us that lived inside of Jesus that we too can raise people from the dead. We too can change the circumstance. We too, too can bring hope into life, right? 
So Jesus wept. The other thing it says in the Bible, it says weep with those who weep and laugh with those who laugh. We need to weep with those who are weeping in these times. We need to relate and be empathetic that there are challenging times. There are traumatic situations. There are issues. And it's okay to help bring them through a grieving process and not say, God's good. He did this for you. Like, come on. Don't stay there. You can't cry. Don't, God's too good for that. No, it is absolutely okay to grieve. And it's okay to stay there for, for a little bit until you need to, until you feel better. You just can't stay there forever because then it says laugh with those who are laughing. It says, weeping may last through a night, but joy comes when? In the morning. There is a season for weeping. There's a season for grieving. Even Jesus got so upset when he went to the tabernacle, and they had, they had turned it into a flea market, essentially. And he started flipping up tables. I believe Jesus demonstrated a righteous anger. And there are things in this world right now that should frustrate us. There are inequalities that should be frustrating us. There are abortions that should be frustrating us. There are things happening in our culture that should be frustrating us to a righteous anger to want to do something about it and change history. There are these moments in time, and we're living in one right now, that things should be frustrating us, and we should be doing something about it and using the platforms that God has given us to make that happen. Let Let me move on. We're allowed to have emotion. We're allowed to be angry. We're allowed to be sad. We just don't have to stay there because Jesus alone is worthy. He alone is hope. Let, let, me, let me just tell you that God is too good for us to have to stay there. His grace is too sufficient for us to have to stay there. His, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And how many have experienced this, that the moment we begin to have thankfulness or we begin to come to him in worship or prayer or we get in our word, we get in his presence and all of a sudden something shifts to where our focus is eternal and our problems begin to dissipate and kind of we almost forget about them in those moments. Anybody else by the raise of hands? See, something happens when we enter the heavenly realm. See, see, it says in Psalms 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. So all of a sudden, we begin to shift things and we begin to focus on the eternal and we begin to glorify the Lord and worship him just for who he is. This is amazing. Worship is a thanksgiving for who the Lord is. Praise is a thanksgiving for what he's done. And we get to worship and we get to be thankful for him simply because he's good simply because he's amazing, simply because he's Yahweh, simply because he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the great I am. He's the Prince of peace, right? He is Alpha and Omega. He's beginning and the end. And we get to be thankful. We get to worship him and come to this place to literally unlock heaven and a heavenly realm comes and in his presence, all the problems disappear. They don't go away. Let me just tell you, on Monday, some of those problems are still there. On that holiday, when you remember that loved one, some of that pain is still there. They don't go away, but now all of a sudden, we can come to this realm and say, okay, God, that's hard, but you're good. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that we woke up today. I'm thankful that we made it here today. I'm thankful that I turned on my computer or my TV today to tune in to Upper Room. I'm thankful for these small things. I'm thankful for life today. I'm thankful that the sun rose today and it's gonna set tonight. I'm thankful for health. I'm thankful for the simplicity of the things that you've made the kingdom to be. We complicate it. And through hardship then, all of a sudden, we get to come to this realm of thankfulness that changes and unlocks heaven realms and unlocks his presence, unlocks who the Lord is to us. And now we're not focusing on the problem, we're focusing on his presence. Let me just put this in perspective. I'm no longer the bagger at Kroger who was a crook, an adulterer, suicidal, a drunk, and this mess of a guy. I am a son and a child of God who's loved by the king. 
I'm thankful that I'm not where I used to be, but I'm thankful I'm not yet where I need to be. I'm looking forward to this journey growing closer with the Lord. I'm looking forward. It's like a marriage. I get to discover Nicole, and we get to date still, and we get to learn each other. We played Can't Stop the other night. That was a, a, a game from my grandmother. And, man, when you'd play with my grandma, she'd, like, yell at you if you couldn't do the math fast enough. It's a 4-5, Aaron. It's a 4-5, and a 6-7. It's, it's really easy, you know? It's kind of funny. If you know the game can't stop, you roll dice, and it's these series of numbers, and it's this little board. Anyway, it was kind of funny playing with my grandma. So I got it. I got that game when she passed away. So we were playing it the other night, and we're learning each other. We're having fun. We're laughing. It's this, it's, we're still in discovery of who one another is. And, and guess what? Let me just tell you this, that in these trials and in our disagreements and in our hardships, we actually grow closer together. Did you know that through our trials and circumstances and these tragedies, there's a few things that happen. First off, that you grow more dependent on the Lord. You discover Him. You have a dependency on Him more than you did before that circumstance. The other thing is we grow, we mature, we learn from mistakes, we learn from tragedy, we learn from things, and then we grow closer to Him in the process. Just like a marriage, we get to learn each other and to grow with each other and, 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 and become closer to one another. So that's what the Lord so, so we get this thing, and let me just say there's a few things in thankfulness. Okay, first off, we will never go through anything that Jesus himself didn't go through on earth and become the example for. They are persecuting him. They are mocking him. They are crucifying him, literally murdering him. And he sits up on the cross, and he says, now think about somebody that's wronged you. The worst person on the planet that's wronged you. Think about that. Multiply that by infinity, and that's what Jesus went through. And he bore on the cross, and he says, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. Jesus became the example. Somebody would curse him, he'd bless them. He says, man, if somebody threatens this, carry their pack. Not, not one mile, not 10,000. Like, forgive them more times than you could ever imagine. He uses all these analogies, and he demonstrates this on earth. And then he walked in this thankfulness and gratitude, and you can see the prayer in John where he's like, Father, if they only knew what we had, I and you and you and me, if the world could only see us and how we work together and how we are loved and, and how we're one. Man, if the world could see that in us and how we go through tragedy and we, we healthily grieve and navigate through that, but then we focus on the hope and the goodness in the reality of the Lord. It's really good. Let me, let me finish with one story here. Maybe. <laughs> David, he's, he's in charge of getting the Ark of the Covenant to the tabernacle. And they went through hardship. And, and this is in Chronicles, First Chronicles, if you're interested. You can say it's a really phenomenal story. They even lost a guy in the process who didn't do what the Lord had asked him to do to the detail. And they lose a guy. Then all of a sudden, they get the Ark of the Covenant there. And they begin to rejoice. They begin to bless. And uh, David begins to bless them and, and even give them cakes. And they begin to go into a church service. And, and uh, one of the last verses uh, that I'll focus on in that part is 16.7. And it says, uh, basically, they went into worship uh, before the Ark of the Lord to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Later on, the next several verses is David writing this song. And if you get to verse 34, it says this. This is the lyrics in his song, and one of them was, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Now, now let me just put that in perspective. We're not thanking him for my new job. 
We're not thanking him because I, I, I got this financial blessing. I'm not thanking him because I'm happy today. I'm not thanking him because life is pretty good in this moment. No, I'm thanking him for he is good. And his love endures forever. So when it says thank him through all circumstances, it's not because I'm thankful for the circumstance. There's some things I don't want to happen again. There's some things that I've had to walk through that I never want to see again. There's some, been some tragedies with my daughter, daughters that I don't ever want to happen to anybody. But I'm thanking the Lord, here we are still. And here we are still, and we will praise anyway. We will thank the Lord anyway. We will worship anyway. We will be thankful anyway, for he is good, and his love endures forever. Situations, people, stuff's going to come and go. Just this is the reality. We're human beings. Here's the thing, though. We get two opportunities here on earth that we don't get in heaven. One is we get to lead people to Jesus who don't know him. That's one thing we won't get to do in heaven. We get to tell people our testimony. We get to tell people about the goodness of God, and we get to lead them to eternal salvation with the Lord. The other thing is we get to praise here on earth through circumstances that are not so good that we'll never get to do in heaven. Let me, let me just be honest with you. We get to worship and praise here on earth through circumstances and trials and bad stuff, and we won't get to do that in heaven because there's nothing bad in heaven. There's no sorrow. There's no death. There's no tears, right? But here on earth, we get that. So now we get to actually push through to do something here on earth that we can't even do in heaven. That becomes a privilege, a challenge, but a privilege. It's hard. It's hard to thank God. And, and let me just remind you that when I was in that moment with Hadassah, I did not want to pray. I did not want to worship. I did not want to put on worship music. I couldn't focus, but I knew somebody who would. And I texted part of our prayer team, and I was like, please pray. I love Nicole. She gave intercession a definition a couple years ago. Intercession is praying on behalf of somebody who can't, won't, or don't know how. We get to do that. We get to be thankful. All right. So here's, here's what I'd love to do. Um, this worked really well first service. I'd love for us to do, just get into a atmosphere of thankfulness. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing how much thankfulness is connected to worship because it is praise. And, and let me just say, the Bible says that we're made overcomers by two ways. The word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. It says we're made overcomers in Revelation by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And um, so we, how many have, by the show of hands, how many attended a church, went to a church, belonged to a church when you were growing up that had open testimonies? Anybody? We, I did. Now, I, I love that. It was very, very, very amazing. At the same time, as around a 12 or 13-year-old kid, it was very entertaining. Okay? So let me, let me just say that about 50% of testimonies usually ended in a prayer request. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh. So if you could pray for me. That, so about 50% would end in a prayer request. About 25% were just super weird. Like, Super weird. I, I shared one this morning that Nicole said I should not have shared. Um, and since the, the cameras are on and we're live streaming, I'm not going to share that. But let's just say being a 12 or 13-year-old growing up in a Pentecostal church was very entertaining. We had a bell in the church. People would run around, ring the bell. And I loved it. It was awesome. Still do. Still cherish that. Value my inheritance. And I'm not um, looking down on anybody who does anything in worship. We are free. It's amazing how creative the Lord is in creating us in the way that he's designed us to each worship him individually. But testimony service, that was where it was at. That, that was the honey hole for me. And then about 25% were like, wow, God, that's amazing, right? 
So today, for the sake of time, and, and we can't really do that, and I didn't pre-plan this, to be honest with you, um, what we'd love to do is just, I would love, we're going to do popcorn style. We do this at our, at our candlelit um, Christmas Eve service, but I just felt like I don't want to overlook the small things. The other thing is I don't want my gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord to be dependent on my circumstance. There's so many people that are going through challenging times this year, right now, this season, the tolls, the Watsons, and beyond. And, and I want to make sure that we as a church, we cultivate a culture of thankfulness. We cultivate a culture of testimonies to where, you know, you may not be able to share it publicly here right now, but it is your duty to share your testimonies and your story for his glory to others. And let me just remind you that, that our testimonies that we go through, or even that we witness or hear from others, become prophecies to others. When we can testify that God healed this cancer, now we share that with somebody else. Now that's a prophecy because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let me just say, we used to sing a song called, He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. And I'll, I'll close with something else a little later, but we got to navigate through what testimonies are, and we got to share that. That's, that's the second way in which we're made overcomers, by Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, what he's continuing to do through, in, and around us. So popcorn style, with one word, we're going to just cultivate an atmosphere of worship through thankfulness. So just one word, and, you know, try not to talk over each other. If you do, just repeat it if we didn't hear you. Um, just popcorn style, one word. One thing you're thankful for, and you can do it multiple times, but just as a congregation at all. And if you're tuning in online um, and you're on Facebook Live or anyway, just, just begin to engage, and you can write that down in the comments. We'd love to hear what you're thankful for as well. Uh, but just popcorn style right now. Things you're thankful for. safety. say this they said in first service hugs I didn't realize I needed them until we didn't, went without them for several weeks through a virtual church and I hugged Mike he was in the band one week and I just we just I was like we went to just naturally hug and I was like wait you good with it yeah you good yeah and we just like oh it's just an amazing thing Mike and I experienced like oh I didn't realize I had a need for physical touch outside of Nicole or the girls 
but I do hugs. I was like, we got to finish that. It's, it's, it's pretty much like there's salvation through the cross and Jesus, and then there's that saying. It's like, Additional baptisms last Sunday evening if you weren't here. So we had seven last weekend. It's awesome. Yeah. sure we don't fast forward through grieving and through emotions and that we just you know skip all of that to get through God's good all the time all the time God's good like that's great and that's that's where we should be and um but it is okay and I once again want to say it's okay to not have your stuff together all the time it's okay to not be perfect it's okay to to even at times I know like my sisters that gets through a time around my mom's death or mother's day and and as a family, but my sister specifically, it hurts them a little more than it does, I think, me and my brother and some of those dates. And there's times where then you begin grieving again. And I want to let you know that's okay. And you don't need to deny the circumstance to receive the miracle. Let, let, me, let me just say what I'm saying. When Jesus came to Lazarus and he says he's, he's not sleeping, he's dead. He clarifies and he's very, very blunt. Like he's not asleep, he's dead. When my mom received that report of cancer, I, I, I went to this song we sang growing up, like, whose report shall you believe in the choir? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Anybody else with me here know that song? Whose report shall you? So I remember like, I'm believing the report. That's the report of the enemy. And I, and I have a gift of faith at the same time though, I believe I was more in denial than walking in a gift of faith. And I learned, again, I learned through that trial, I learned through that tragedy, that, that just to deny the report sometimes is denying the need for the miracle. Like sometimes we have to admit, like, this stinks. This is terrible. This is hard. And I want to make sure through, especially loss of life, it is hard. And, and I just want to make sure that, like, we don't fast forward through some of that, but, but just as the Word says and we read today, lift one another up, encourage one another, live peacefully together. You know, bring encouragement to those who are timid, and, and especially weep with those who are weeping. Be empathetic. Right now, we're in very hard times, and there's people viewing things different than you're viewing them. And it doesn't mean necessarily that they're wrong and you're right. Just there is a different perspective on so much right now. We're in a climate that the enemy's trying to use divisiveness as a tool rather than unity to bring the bride and our country together. We're seeing it. We're seeing him try to break up families, break up marriages, break up a nation, break up friendships over this stuff and weep with those who are weeping. Be empathetic, but laugh with those who are laughing. 
We just can't, we can't leave people weeping. Joy comes when? In the morning. We need to be deliverers of hope. We need to be hope dealers. Not dope dealers, hope dealers. Right? Why don't you stand with me? I'd love to pray for you. And one of the things I'd love to pray for is sorrow and loss, uh, depression, any shame. You know, sin may take you somewhere, but it's shame that keeps you there. And shame oftentimes tries to convince us of who we're not, while God all along is saying who we are. And shame likes to convince us of who we're not. And a lot of times shame is so attached uh, to, to sorrow and regret and all this stuff. And, and I'm just saying like it prevents you from being thankful and worshiping because you've been convinced of who you're not and who God isn't. And shame has no right here just as much as sin has no right here, okay? God died. Jesus came to the cross and died. Then he came to set us free. He came to seek and save that which was lost, both sin and shame. So I'd love to pray into some things here as we dismiss. Lord, I thank you. We thank you. We, we come with grateful hearts and gratitude and, and thankfulness, Lord. You alone are good and your love endures forever. That alone, Lord, we are thankful for. You alone give us thanks. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, we ask for healing, healing in any trauma, healing for any tragedy. Lord, we cancel trauma and we bind it right now and we loose heaven into that situation. Lord, we, we pray against fear, anxiety, shame, or anything else, Lord, or depression, Lord. And Lord, we trade it out with your goodness, with your peace beyond any understanding, with your peace beyond explanation, the shalom peace of heaven. Lord, with your love and your power, Lord, and your wisdom, for you do not give us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So Jesus, we thank you, God. We cancel trauma, we remove trauma from people. Trauma of bad things happening that cause shame, that prevent us from being grateful and focusing on the eternal, Lord, we remove um, any sorrow right now and depression, Lord. Lord, not that we forget about loss and that it disappears, Lord, but healing, Lord, right now. Healing for loneliness. Healing for, for just frustration or, or confusion, Lord. We ask for your healing, Lord. We pray for restoration in lives, reconciliation in relationships and families, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this. We praise you in advance. We thank you. Again, you are good. You're worthy. And Lord, our ministry to you is our thankfulness, presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. So we pray for healing for sorrow, healing for disease. Lord, right now, I, I just pray for inadequacies, insecurities right now. If anybody's feeling inadequate, insecure, not good enough, not worthy, Lord, reveal yourself to them and show each person the way you see them, of worthy and holy and as more than conquerors, as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, Lord. Lord, don't let our circumstances and trials dictate whether or not we worship, praise, or come to you with thanksgiving. Lord, let us worship you through good times and bad. Let us praise you through good times and bad. And let us be thankful in all things. Lord, we bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Have an amazing week. We love you. We can't wait to kick off a Christmas series next week. And Jesus is born and Jesus is alive. Amen. He is the hope to the world. We love you.